everybody. Welcome to Burke Reviews Movie Club. I'm John Burke, and with me, as always, is Corey Starr. Hello, hello. And this month, we are moving into July 2019, and our theme is Howdy, Partner, as we watch westerns that we have not seen before, at least one of us have not seen before. Um, this week's episode will be featuring our review of Bone Tomahawk, uh, for that, a film that Corey had not seen before but i had watched uh once before from 2015 um, we'll get into all the stats in our review of that later in the episode before we do that Corey and i like to uh start off just kind of talking about how we've been and what we've been watching since the last time we recorded so Corey, how's it going it's going um you know apparently we're having night three fireworks here so that's a little stressful yeah, i but... saw your tweet about uh fourth of july and that you're not a big fan because of the fireworks yeah it's just loud and i mean they started it on wednesday night and i'm sorry some of us have to work so i had yesterday off and then i had to go back to work today and when you say they they, are we talking like the community or like people like individuals like doing it at their house (laughs) individuals at their house i live in a pretty big neighborhood um it's a bunch it's like one million cul-de-sacs put together and like I don't know. I just don't like loudness when I'm at home anyways. Um, And some of our neighbors had really bad music turned up really loud and had like 20 cars in their driveway and people like, you know, park up on the sidewalk in front of our yard. And I don't know. It's just there are so many people and it just stresses me out. And like some of my neighbors were outside uh, starting Wednesday night, popping off fireworks and like, you know, hanging out out there and then. Some people on the corner sounded like they were having a block party. It was good times at the Star Comerford house. Yeah, my daughter is not a fan of fireworks. Partly, like, she does think it's too loud, but also, like, because of how it affects, like, our dogs. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, and and a lot of war veterans. It's, you know, it triggers PTSD for a lot because of the explosions and whatnot. Um, so, yeah, it, it's an ironic kind of thing because I never thought about that as a kid. But now, as an adult, it does, you know, worry me and... Last night, uh, we had uh, some severe thunderstorms, which also gets oh. my dog, like, freaking out. Um, and so he was, like, super hyperventilating. Our, our vet oh. actually gave us, uh, we have, like, anxiety medicine for our dog now. Um, wow, I would figure it would be Lady. No, Lady, Lady, when it, when it gets real bad thunder, she just goes and hides under Taylor's bed. But Frankie, uh-huh. uh, he, he does not, like loud noise he's gotten as he's gotten older he's kind of a scaredy cat and he gets like real like like almost seems like he's part chihuahua but he's not because he's like shaking and uh like hyperventilating like real loud like it it makes you so sad because like Mm -hmm. my cats were freaking out last night and my cats are so chill but you can't make them feel better yeah and you can't explain it away like you might with other things you know like you can't be like oh no like if it's a person like it's it's just this or whatever He's just yeah. like, I don't understand what it is. I hate it. And it's like, I'm sorry. I hate it for you, but I don't know what to do. Um, but yeah, uh, so we, but we stayed home yesterday. Last year we went to a concert and stuff on 4th of July. This year we decided oh. to stay home and um, I grilled out T-bone steaks. And, uh, you know, I don't eat uh, carbs right now, at least not like a, a carb heavy items. I eat, I eat some carbs, um, but uh my wife who was supposed to not be eating carbs starting this week has broken that several times um i'll text her uh, i made uh, baked potatoes for her and taylor and i bought uh, mashed cauliflower 
which oh. I've tried the mashed cauliflower previously and I thought it was fine. But having now been away from mashed potatoes for several months, um, I love mashed cauliflower now. Like I've been eating a lot of cauliflower rice or rice cauliflower. Like, that sounds so good. But the mashed cauliflower is my new favorite thing. I loved it. It was so good with my steak, and then we had salads. It was a really good you know, time. We didn't light any fireworks. But what we did, uh, I will get into with what we've been watching, because we did sit as a family all day in front of a TV yesterday, um, and I'll talk about that momentarily, what, what we watched uh, as a family. Um, but otherwise, you know, it's been uh, kind of I – I was supposed to start working, like, not officially, but, like, for myself because I have to have plans and stuff ready I was going to start this week and then I, I did a little on Monday and I was like you know what I'm going to give myself one more week it's a holiday week in the middle and I knew Kathy was going to be off Wednesday and Thursday um, so I was like I'm going to end up not being able to really work and it's being a holiday I'm going to not want to work um, I did I did allow myself uh, Taylor never has a sweet tooth and last night she really wanted ice cream um, so I took my, my wife and daughter to Dairy Queen real fast, and uh, I did allow myself to have a small blizzard, um, which was definitely cheating. But I, I, you know, I've been really good about not eating sweets, <laughs> and uh, I should have got a mini blizzard, I realized, which made me feel good, though, because I actually did feel like it was too much, and my old me would have got a large and been like, this isn't enough ice cream. you know. <laughs> so the fact that I ate a small and was like, this is too much, was like, I've made real changes to the way I eat, and that's a good thing, so... Mm-hmm. But, all right, Corey, you ready to get into what we've been watching? Yes. Are you going first or second? I'll go first. All right. Okay, so I feel like you probably saw that I've been watching Housebound for a while. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> I love it. I've only, I had only seen it once, and then I watched it. Uh, it took me a few viewings because I was watching it between other stuff and, like, you know, but uh, I finally finished that. It's so good. Um, did Sean recommend that to us? I believe he did. Yeah, when he okay. was still still very into high school. I think he still might have been in my class at that time. So that would have been like tenth grade. Yeah. Well, good call. Um, and then I restarted watching um, Dead Like Me, which only Ooh. has a couple seasons, seasons, but I think and a yeah. movie. Yep. Um. And I am on episode three of that, I think. I'm... Uh, I want to watch Stranger Things, but I'm waiting until there are more things because I feel like Netflix... And I see that they're, like, releasing a lot of articles and there's a lot of, like, information being thrown around that Netflix is going to stop making so much original content. That would be surprising given that they're about to lose a bunch of stuff because of everybody else is making their own streaming services like you have disney's uh disney plus comes out so they're gonna lose all disney I'm... and fox properties basically and then nbc's uh they're gonna have an app launching in two years i think so they're gonna be pulling all of their properties um yeah they're losing the office in two years yeah but uh, yeah again, uh, if, I just... if you love it that much buy the blu-ray like it's not or buy the digital copy on amazon like you can own the movie and then have or the show and have it forever but yeah, but I feel, uh, I don't know, I feel like with all these different streaming devices, like, I think a, the reason why a lot of people went to streaming devices is so they didn't pay these huge bills for, yes. like, yeah. you know, satellite, and now you're going to have to have, like, 20 different streaming services to watch what you want to watch, and then that's going to cost more than satellite, so I think that they're just digging their own hole. They are. It, it, I think it's going to backfire. I think everyone's getting greedy. Um, 
the only thing that would benefit if it drops like three bucks a service it would be worth keeping but like there's no i can't afford i already have too many um and i right now i think i just have hulu uh i have direct tv now because my wife likes like hallmark and stuff like that so we have that for tv and we get a discount on that because we're AT&T customers, so it's, like, only 28 bucks a month, which it's, like, normally 45 or 50 for, like, non-AT&T subscribers. So that – it used to be 15 and it just went up. Um, and it was a really good deal for 15 It's still a good deal for 28 It was double. Um, but we have – yeah. Uh, but we have Netflix. Um, you know, we have Hulu, which I, I only have Hulu because I got the dollar promotion on Black Friday last year. So it's a dollar a month for me for Hulu. And then I have Amazon Prime. Which I, I really have Prime because of the shipping. Yeah. Um, but I do utilize Amazon Prime. Obviously, last month, all of the movies we watched were on Prime. So, um, but, uh, yeah, when they when this happens, like, I'm going to have to make a decision. And right now, I would be willing to cancel Netflix. My wife and daughter are less so inclined to cancel Netflix. Um, I but just... Disney Plus just seems like such a better option and it's cheaper. Like... How much is it going to be? Uh, eight bucks, I think, is what they're saying. What? Yeah. And and is it like all Disney movies? It's or all Disney, all Lucasfilms, all Pixar, all Dang. Fox. Because now Disney owns Fox, so all the if Fox you movies. Are, have like, kids? That's yeah. such a good deal. I mean, and now like it'll be the first Captain Marvel will not be on a streaming service until Disney Plus comes out. Um, I like there's there's still it's still Disney. They still want to make money, so they're not gonna immediately like put uh, Endgame on there or whatever. But all of those Marvel movies and stuff are eventually going to end up on that service. All of the Disney Channel TV series are supposed to be back there. I mean, all of the Simpsons, because they own Fox, and so Dude. the Simpsons are going to be on there. It's going to be massive. And uh, because it's Disney, they don't have to charge 20 bucks. They can charge 8 And they they know that, one, they're going to have tons of subscribers. And then, two, they're going to get your money in all these other areas, too. They're going to get it from the theme parks. They're going to get it from the uh, the movies in theaters merchandise and and oh man it's just it's such a they they own us you know at this point so it's it's hard to resist but um was there anything else that you've been watching yeah mm. i went to see yesterday on saturday oh what did you think i enjoyed it okay a lot um and then i thought it was fine i enjoyed it a lot <laughs> and then i watched Annabelle comes home on mm. Wednesday. And? I really liked it. I feel okay. like it's been the closest to The Conjuring. Um, like, I've forgotten. I've seen... I think I've seen all the other movies. And, I mean, The Conjuring 2 was okay. But um, I feel like it had, it had the closest, I guess, atmosphere. Um, I was really in it. I thought they did a good job with... Uh, some of the jump scares, you know, I I enjoyed it. I have not seen that, and I don't I don't. Movie Pass has uh, become even worse, I think, than it was before. Uh, Are you kidding? I thought that you said it was okay. It was okay, and then they were limiting me severely because I saw too many movies, and it was like if I didn't make it to the first screening at a theater, I was not going to be able to use Movie Pass for the day, um, and it doesn't seem to matter what day. And then uh, just yesterday. They've gone offline for an unknown amount of time that we're being told will be credited um, once they come back online. So, like, we're not paying for these days where they're offline, supposedly making it better. But uh, Reddit users have begun freaking out and posting all – like, because you can't cancel right now. 
because their whole system is down so like you can't even cancel if you want to so people are paranoid that they're actually going out of business and this is their way of trying to hold like ways of charging us for like things or whatever so i'm kind of in this weird like state of paranoia about movie pass and thus uh i'm not that interested in annabelle coming home or comes home or whatever and so i'm not willing to spend my money on it yet if i had movie pass probably um spending my actual money i'm like yeah maybe not maybe I'll i think on. that i think that these companies need to get sued and i mean yeah. maybe there's no money to be had there but you're charging someone for an unlimited service and they're signing up with these particular terms and conditions and i know that they probably have an asterisk that they can they change at any time mm -hmm. but you're charging someone for unlimited and then they're going to too many movies i mean yeah and that's why i even like i have uh, a chat with one of their help services because they did improve their their uh, customer service connections at least where i'm just like dude why don't you just tell me how many movies I can see instead of, like, pro like I know that you told me that you can limit me, and I'm fine with that. But even that, that's such a vague statement, and apparently it's forever. Like, I was under the impression, like, for the month. Maybe the I, month? Yeah, like, okay, well, you've seen four movies, so we're going to slow you down. Okay, but now the month is – I've paid you for another month. Why can't I go see four more movies? Like, you need to be upfront with me. I'd rather pay 15 bucks a month and, only, and know I can only see four movies than pay – 15 bucks a month under the impression I can see as many as I want within reason, you know, because I can't rewatch a movie or whatever. Okay, fine. But then you need to be upfront, like you said. Uh, it, it's a shady thing. But uh, hopefully, my local theater's service is supposed to be coming. And if so, I will sign up for that in a heartbeat because I love my local theater. Um, Same. I, I wish it could be better. I do wish it had, like, you know, better seating. I wish we had uh, reserve seating at our theater, but especially with this new service, because it would be beneficial. Oh, um, Jesus. But, but people just sit in your seats anyway. <laughs> That's what happened to Annabelle. I have yet to have that happen, but I could totally see that happening. I'm always paranoid that it's going to happen. I mean, they got up and moved, but still. Yeah, still. It's that confrontation that you're avoiding. Um, yes. All right, so Annabelle comes home. Anything else? Mm, nope. You got a busy... That's a lot of viewing for you. Yeah, um, and I was even hanging out with family yesterday. Oh, man. I did. I hung out with my family. So, since we last recorded, I, I rewatched, uh, kind of on accident, but the animated Beauty and the Beast was on, like, regular TV, and I couldn't help but watch it, because um, <sighs> it's really good. And, it's so uh, good. Then I watched mm -hmm. Ali for the first time, the Michael Mann uh, biopic, kind of biopic, about oh. Muhammad Ali, starring Will Smith from 2001. I had not either. Uh, I I liked it quite a bit. Um, it's it's a little long, but it, it's a really solid performance. It's an interesting movie. I didn't know a lot about Ali and his. Uh, I didn't realize because I thought it was a boxing movie. That's what I assumed it was going to be. I didn't realize how political he was and like. Oh yeah, um, he was stripped of his titles for not. Well, and Michael Mann uh, starts the movie. It's it's Malcolm X and Ali like kind of back and forth almost co-leads it feels at the beginning of the movie and i had no idea that was happening so that was really interesting um then my daughter and i went uh at midnight 12:01 a.m on monday night to see spider-man far from home with uh editor david ortega um we went and saw it and uh we all loved it we all uh tom holland is my spider-man i don't care about toby mcguire those of you who uh love him too bad for you Me? Uh, um Andrew Garfield, I, I didn't hate him as Spider-Man. His movies are not good, unfortunately, for uh, for all involved. But Far From Home is an excellent entry into the MCU. I think it does a lot of cool stuff with what's happened so far. And I think it features two of the most important 
uh, post credit scenes that have been done. Because a lot of the post credit scenes are just kind of superfluous, like fun little moments if you really like the MCU. These actually have plot ramifications to the overall arching MCU. Um, and it was really great. I uh, liked it a whole lot. Um, then I watched our movie for the week, Bone Tomahawk. Uh, I started Collateral. Um, which is another Michael Mann movie, one, one of the only ones I'd seen before, which is Tom Cruise and Jamie Foxx. Uh, I started it, I think, Wednesday, and I only got like 20 minutes in, and I had to stop, and then I, I... Oh, the power went out. It was storming real bad. I was 20 minutes in the movie, and the power went out. And then um, by the time like the internet kicked back on, I was like, you know what, I'm just going to wait, and we'll, I'll, I'll finish it later. So I finished that today. Uh, Collateral's interesting. It's a, it's a weird kind of performance from Tom Cruise. I like the movie, though. Um... But then, what we did on 4th of July, my daughter and Taylor, Taylor is my daughter, and uh, Kathy and I all sat together and watched season 3 of Stranger Things. Yes, the entire season. All Dude, 8 hours. What, yes. um, yeah, <laughs> I love it. Uh, all 8 and some change, because they're not all, some, I think the last episode is like an hour and 20 minutes. Um, we, uh, my daughter and I both really love Stranger Things 1 and 2, season 1 and 2. My wife has not seen season 2. So rather than watching season two, she had us basically give her a rundown and then Netflix does their recap. Recap was not great, to be honest. Like they, they skipped a lot of important little details. Um, but my wife was still, she was game to watch season three. Uh, and it was fun because we haven't done that in a while where all three of us just sit together and watch something. And um, we did take a couple breaks. Uh, so it wasn't a straight eight hours because we like, I made dinner, um, grilled out some T-bones as I mentioned. And uh, then we went to Dairy Queen at one point right before we finished uh, the last episode. We went to Dairy Queen. Um, I kind of think we needed ice cream because seasons like I feel like season three is really solid and it definitely feels like the arc of the series. I um, I don't know and I'm not going to say anything, but I don't know if there's going to be a season four. I've not heard anything yet. They have they've left it where it's a possibility, um, but they also I think they wrap it up where it could end and. Um, Sometimes I think it's better to end while you're ahead. You know, don't ruin a, a series by going too long. Um, and I think season three is pretty terrific. Um, I am is it going... Go ahead. better than season two? Because season two yes. just wasn't as strong as the first season. Season two is by far the, the weakest of the three. And I think a big part of that um, is... I feel like they stretch out some stuff that they don't need to. Like there's the notorious episode in season two where Eleven goes like with the X-Men essentially. Um, And that episode does not pay off in any way ever. It is such a a great example of a wasted opportunity for telling story because they just go off on this tangent and you don't have to. And that's why I think season three does really well. There's only eight episodes. um, And I feel like there were more in the previous seasons. And I think that's, what Netflix sometimes does is they get like a number. We want 13 episodes. It's like, yeah, but why? Can you tell that story in 13 episodes? Uh, the Marvel series have been a great example of that. Um, a lot of times they feel way too long. Like there's too many episodes. Like you could have told the story in six or seven. Do that. And that's one of the things HBO does so well is they only do as many episodes as they need to to tell the story they're telling. They don't They don't have like a set number in mind necessarily that dictates the, the process. Um, and season three, I think, is perfect in that it's eight episodes every episode feels essential um i don't feel like there was anything that felt stretched out or prolonged for the sake of prolonging um it moves uh 
you might want a little bit more. I'll tell you, I th believe um, one of the best additions, though, because there is a couple of new characters or uh, characters that were introduced in Season 2 who get developed substantially more. Like, I don't know how you felt about Max, but I think Max is substantially better in this season. Um, and I liked Max. I liked her in Season 2, but I think she's excellent in Season 3, especially a dynamic that happens with Max in this season, which I won't say just so I don't sully anything for you. Um, but the big uh, addition is... Um, if you've seen the trailer, have you seen the trailer at all for this? Mm, no, I don't think so. Have you seen any like the merchandise or anything? I've seen like, uh, like the screen, like the stills and stuff. Well, because like uh, Steve is working at an ice cream shop. That's one of the the big selling points that were in the trailer. And he, and stuff. Yeah, there's some girl that the girl is Maya Hawk, and that's Ethan Hawk and Uma Thurman's daughter. Um, and. Oh my she is amazing i love her so much in this show her uh she plays robin who is the co-worker to steve um and uh she's she's just so freaking great in this um i really really oh apparently she's in uh, once upon a time in hollywood too um which comes out like in two weeks and i uh i didn't realize uh, it's funny because taylor was, yesterday was like looking through IG. she's like oh that's uma thurman's daughter i'm like oh cool and while we were in waiting uh, between our recording of our two podcasts tonight, Corey, I was on Instagram and Ethan Hawke posted this like very proud dad, like her her Stranger Things poster on Instagram and like praised how great she was. And, and I agree. I, I didn't realize it was his daughter till that moment. Um, but yeah, uh, she's really good. Um, I, overall, I think the whole show is great. I still the biggest shock to me with Stranger Things. My favorite part of it has be, been Steve Harrington, played by Joe. What Steve? If you told me in season one that Steve would be my favorite part of the series, I would have laughed in your face. See, uh, like I feel like he was the best part of season two. Like, he is the best part of season two. He goes from being a jerk. Him and Dustin. To, yeah. I, oh God, he's like the dad. Yeah. Um, and, <laughs> Love it and season three keeps that going um and they clearly i will say there is a definitive like you can tell that season three was written with audience reaction in mind in my opinion because the things that people were raving about are really heavily built into season three uh and the stuff that i think we were kind of complaining about has been i think they bring it back but they pull it back also like they're like hey we can't completely drop this but we're gonna pull this away because we heard you we heard what you're saying like it feels very much like they read all the tweets and all the reddits and all the the stuff about stranger things season two and they really tried to streamline a fan driven finale which is interesting because game of thrones seems to have gone something completely different because if you read a lot of the reactions from season eight people were so mad season three i think for stranger things what i've seen fans of the series will be very happy um, and if you don't like the series, you're not going to like season three either. It's, it's still the same. There's so many movie references, so many TV references. Um, like there was one line, uh, Hopper says a direct quote from, uh, from Jaws that I have not seen anyone else, uh, mention, but I am a huge Jaws fanatic. And when he said it, I was like, oh my God, that's totally a Jaws line. And there's other references to Jaws in the show anyways, but this one particular line, um, is straight up a hundred percent had to be pulled from the uh, from the film but um that's what I, i've been watching my dream and don't ruin it if it happens but i just want hopper and i'm forgetting winona's name in it i just want them to be a couple <sighs> joyce joyce is her name 
Yeah. That's my hope for this series. <laughs> That's what I want. Although, oh my god, what was his name? Her boyfriend in the last Bob. season. Bob. Bob. He Played was so by, great. Uh, oh, I'm going to forget his name. But Sam, yeah, I'm forgetting Sam his name. Sam Wise Gansey from Lord of the Rings. And uh, he's an Encino man. And why can't I think of his freaking name? Um, I know. It's because we're talking about it. But Bob. Um, yeah, Bob. I'm, I cannot believe I can't think of his name. Like, this is an actor I'm very familiar with. He's Rudy, for love of God. Um, there he is. Sean Astin. Duh. Perfect. Thank you. Yep. Can't believe I couldn't think of that. All right. So, that is what we've been watching. Um, I do recommend Stranger Things Season 3. Oh, actually, two more TV shows for me. Not something I have a Whoa. lot. Uh, I watched three, four episodes of Atlanta Season 2, um, which is on Hulu. I've been meaning to get to season two. I love season one. It's a Donald Glover written, directed. Uh, he well, he's directed some of the episodes and stars. Um, season and Zazie Beetz is on that show, and uh, Brian Tyree Henry, who I absolutely love, and Lakeith Stanfield. It is a stacked show. If you haven't seen Atlanta, I highly recommend it. But um, season two is so good, and it it's just it's such an impressive thing um, that it exists. It's just so so well written. Uh, the other thing, I've been watching Psych slowly. Like, I'm still, like, on season five of, like, ten seasons or something like that. But um, I, I hadn't watched it for a few months, and I decided I threw one on while I was working on something the other night. And I was so glad that I did because I came – I didn't even realize it as I'm watching it, Corey. It's season five. I'm pulling up the name of the episode because uh, it's so important. Um, season five – where is it? Uh, it's episode 12 called Dual Spires right okay i don't pay attention to the episode name when i start the episode um the show's going and this particular episode uh sean and gus receive a mysterious email inviting them to the cinnamon festival in dual spires a quirky town that's near nearly invisible on the map and um and so as the show starts i'm like this feels real familiar and i i quickly realized now psych has done they do like uh, homage episodes where like they did a whole episode that's clearly an homage to Jaws like no question without a shadow of a doubt this is a Jaws episode and they've done that with several things so Dual Spires is their homage to Twin Peaks and I was so happy that I watched this because it is so great like Twin Peaks fans will lose themselves into this episode because there are so many references um, and it's 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 loving even the music is like that's what really triggered me I was like I'm like that sounds like Twin Peaks, and then I was like, "Wait, what's this called? Dual Spires, duh." Um, so yeah, it is, and like the, they have like a diner, and the cinnamon pie is like their trademark. It's oh, fans of Twin Peaks would love this episode for sure. Um, and uh, interesting enough, though, because on a previous episode they did an Exorcist tribute, um. Oh, you know, homage to the Exorcist, and the guy who played the priest that would be the Exorcist is played by Ray Wise, who you might know as uh, Laura Palmer's father in Twin Peaks. Oh, um, he's so, such a creep. Uh, he reprises his uh, role as the priest in this episode, though, so he comes back for the Dual Spires episode, which made it even better. It, it's such a cool episode, and I, our friend Mike, who does top five movies with us. Um, is a big Twin Peaks fan, so I, I messaged him while I was watching this, and he'd actually seen this particular episode, uh, most likely because of that. Um, so yeah, if you're a fan of psych or uh, pop culture, <laughs> excuse me, bless you. I, I highly recommend uh, checking out Psych because there's a lot of references to stuff. Um, okay, that does it. 
I think we're done with what we've been watching. Um, we're ready to get into our full review of the movie of the month. Again, our theme for this month, July 2019, is Howdy Partner. Uh, Corey, what, since we're starting this, what's your relationship with Westerns? Do you like them? Do you hate them? Did you used to watch them with your grandpa? What's, what's the deal? I think that I had the unfortunate event of watching a few when I was a kid with my grandparents and I thought they were really boring. Mm -hmm. So I had a really hard time picking my movies this month and I kind of wasn't really looking forward to this month, (laughs) but here we are and I survived. Well, I'll say um, it's interesting because when you look at Westerns, when they were at their, their heyday, they were the comic book movie of their time. Uh, kids loved them little boys wanted to be cowboys much like little boys want to be spider-man or tony stark now um and i grew up at the time where westerns were were not cool like i didn't like westerns um and it took a while uh i think i red dead redemption definitely helped break me of my distaste for westerns um and i've watched several since and i've grown to really appreciate a lot of them i don't like all of them um, but the ones that click for me really, really click for me. And uh, I am looking forward. We're going to be watching some big ones in the next couple of weeks, um, some iconic Westerns uh, that I've been meaning to get off my gap list for some time. So, uh, But the one you picked for the first week, Bone Tomahawk, one is not a traditional Western, right? Like it is uh, a horror know, Western. Right? Um, but it has some really great stars and an interesting uh, director who's done some other movies I've not seen but have heard crazy things about. But Bone Tomahawk came out in 2015. Um, in the dying days of the Old West, an elderly sheriff and his posse set out to rescue their town's doctor from cannibalistic cave dwellers. Uh, stars Kurt Russell, Patrick Wilson, Matthew Fox, Richard Jenkins, Lily Simmons, and really uh, want to reference David Arquette, Fred Melamy, and Sid Haig. Did you recognize Sid Haig? Um, no. Are you a fan of House of the House of a Thousand Corpses? Mm-mm. No? I thought that seems like nope. something to be up your alley. But um, Sid Haig is a horror icon. He is the first cowboy that's oh, uh, yeah. with uh, David Arquette. Um, he's in a bunch of stuff. but And Fred Melamy is a very iconic voice actor. Not just a voice actor. He's an actor. But um, I, I think of him as In a World, the Lake Bell film. But uh, this is written and directed by S. Craig Zoller. Who uh, has also done Cell Block? I'm sorry, Brawl in Cell Block '99, uh, and Dragged Across Concrete from last year. And I think that's it. I think he's relatively new. Um, he's got a new movie already coming out. Hug Chicken Penny um, is in development. It's already got artwork though, which is unusual. Uh, I have not seen his other films yet. Um, I've heard they're all pretty brutal, in the same way that Bone Tomahawk can be very brutal and kind of unsettling. Um, and I, I think Doug Benson was the first person I heard talk about Bone Tomahawk on his podcast, Douglas Movies, and I sought it out because um, I was intrigued, uh, and I was horrified, but also really, and I love this movie, um, and so I was looking forward to rewatching it, because I've only seen it once, and I've talked about it a dozen, dozen times, um, and I, I'm, I'm curious, because you told me when we were talking last week, getting ready for this episode that uh, you had tried to watch this and you couldn't make it through the uh, the gore, right? I don't even remember if I got to see anything. Just the sounds. Oh. Um, like, 
Oh, man. Yeah. And I want to watch it, so I felt like if I put it on this, I had to, you know? Yeah, and it's surprising because you are a big fan of horror. So, like, for something to to shake you that much that you didn't want to sit through, it was, it was surprising for me to hear. Yeah. Um, I mean, so... Ugh, I'm terrified of things having to do with the neck. Yeah. Like yeah, strangulation, cutthroats, all that stuff. Like, I can't handle it at all. Like, especially cutting throats and things like that, I have to usually, like, look away, or I really want to. Um, this... Whew, this movie... Oops. I knocked over my water bottle. Uh-oh. Um... So... Let's let's get into that. So, listener, if you're new, uh, what we do is we we go spoiler free first. We just kind of give our overall take on the film, and then we'll give a nice warning before we jump into whatever we want to say about Bone Tomahawk. Um, Bone Tomahawk is available to stream, I think. Right? It was on a uh, Prime. Yep. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it, it is fr- free if you're a subscriber to Prime for sure. Um, I own this movie as well because again, I saw it and I liked it so much that I couldn't help but buy it um and uh i've been wanting to rewatch it so i was really happy to do that um i swear i took notes on this um but Corey, let's start with your overall impression after having made it through it now uh did you like it i liked it a lot i was um i said it earlier but i don't know if you or the listeners heard but i both of my picks this month are not like traditional westerns because why would I choose traditional ones? Mm. And horror is my favorite genre, even though it's so steeped in crap. But I, and also the, you know, the cast of this yeah. really intrigued me. Um, we have talked about this before. We're both big fans of Richard Jenkins. Um, oh, man. Oh, God. I love Patrick Wilson and Kurt Russell. Um I like I'm, I don't like love Kurt Russell, but I mean the thing is um, one of my favorite movies of all time. I yeah. know he's done some some not great movies, but I love Kurt Russell. Uh, Big Trouble Little China, the thing. Um, th- this movie I think is one of his best performances. Like I love him in Bone Tomahawk so much, and it's interesting because I think it's the same year he does Hateful Eight, um, where he's playing not a similar character because uh, I think this one this gentleman yeah it is much, the same year much more noble here than he is uh in hateful eight but both westerns technically um although both different westerns they're not traditional uh one like hateful eight is predominantly locked in a room during the winter but it is set in the old west and that time period um but kurt russell in this film he's so honorable he's actually kind of subdued which is not his normal he kind of goes big a lot of times and here he's very quiet and passive um, I love him in this movie. Uh, and then Matthew Fox. I don't know how familiar you are with him, but I am a Matthew Fox. I, I'm a big fan of Lost, and he is the lead in Lost, um, arguably the lead character in Lost. And that's really all I know him from outside of this. I like him in this a lot because um, he's a character who we're kind of supposed to not trust or like at first. But there is a there's a nobility to all of the characters that we follow for the most part. Um, it, I like kind of finding out why they, especially him mm-hmm. as Bruder, like why they do the things they do. Yes, 
Yeah, and the dialogue here, I love the exposition. It's done in a very believable uh, way. It never feels like we're just sitting and being told stuff. It, it feels like we're learning something that the other characters... Like, we're sitting with them around the campfire or on horseback or whatever. It doesn't feel like they're just saying it for our sake. It's not uh, unnecessary expositional dialogue, but... Agreed. Um, and then uh, seeing David Arquette, because he, he's kind of, uh, one, I don't know if you know this about David Arquette, but he's currently a professional wrestler. Um, <laughs> I didn't, but... <laughs> so I don't, I don't I know if you ever saw loved... Ready to Rumble back in the in the no. er, uh, early 2000s, if I'm not mistaken. He does a movie oh with God. one of the Baldwins. I think it's a Baldwin. Um, maybe I'm wrong. I'm trying to pull it up. Uh, I really like Ready to Rumble. It was a WCW uh it, like all the WCW wrestlers were in it, um, and he is a big wrestling fan. They have a fake wrestler that they're like the biggest fan of, uh, the King. It's not Jerry the King Lawler. He's just called the King. Um, Two thousand. Oh. Uh, it's not. It's not. It's the dude who I always forget his name. Uh, Scott Con. Oh God, is that James Con's son? Um, and uh, yes, it is. Holy crap. Um, he's in a bunch of stuff he shows up in varsity blues and oceans 11 and stuff but um i really like this movie as a kid and uh david arquette would take this movie and then actually come to wcw and i believe they gave him the championship which was right before wcw went under and wwe t- uh, bought them out but um if you're a wrestling fan this is one of the like the first kind of wrestling fan movies where it's like really meant for wrestling fans and uh, apparently, though, in the last several years, he started, like, really wrestling and, like, wrestling for, like, these weird indie promotions. Um, and I guess he almost got killed, like, in a match where the, he was doing, like, a hardcore match. And the dude was supposed to, like, cut him a little bit, but, like, slice his throat for real. And, like, he was, like, bleeding out in this match. Like, Oh, gross. Stop. Um, so, yeah. And apparently that's on YouTube. So, like, if you really want to see uh, David Arquette. But uh, I hadn't seen him in a movie in a while. Obviously, you and I are both big fans of the Scream franchise. Maybe that's too much. Just the Scream person. <laughs> I uh, love Scream One. Yeah, Scream One's uh, fantastic. Maybe Scream Two. I like Two. Yeah. Four is actually not bad. Three is awful. Three is so I think so bad. We need to buy. Did you see that the like four pack is on sale? On I did. Um, and I yeah, I, I always consider that because I do. I like four. Um, I have one already though. That's the catch. Uh, they. I wish. I wish Voodoo would discount those bundles when you own one of the movies in the bundle like i feel like back in the day on itunes i haven't bought music in years but back in the day if you owned a single and then you wanted to buy the whole album they would discount the album you know like so you would pay like a dollar less or whatever i feel like voodoo should do the same thing because i own a lot of movies and there's like they do these cool bundles i'm like i would totally buy that for those other three films but i already own one of them so i don't feel like i should pay the full price so i don't and then i i don't get the movies that i want but needless to say um we both really like bone tomahawk um i think richard jenkins is the star in this he's not the star character but my god his character is so good um i love chicory i believe is his name um yeah who's like this kind of senile deputy uh that you kind of feel sheriff hunt just keeps him around because otherwise the guy has no purpose and so he gives him a purpose um but man he he pays off so much in this movie uh and his his loyalty to the sheriff is so noble and respectable um and honestly, i feel like he's but, that kind of man though because mm-hmm. his wife is sorry guys oh. it's a little spoiler but you know and he's still very i don't know no i i think 
I mean, yes, agreed, but he is kind of, you know, he's forgetful, and he's he's old, and he's he's losing his purpose, um, but he, he has it, and it's, he's still determined, um, and Patrick Wilson's character with the bum ankle, uh, or the bum leg, I guess he has, like, a broken bone in his leg, um, and his wife is the, the town doctor, um, played by, I mentioned her name, Lily something or other, um, I thought it was Simmons, yeah. Yeah, Lil, Lily Simmons. Uh, who's I think she's very good in this. Um, she gets not a lot to do, but I think she's very solid. Um, and there's a lot of people are barely in this movie. Uh, you know, they're just there for a few moments because most of the film is them riding through the desert to uh, retrieve some kidnapped people from these uh, very scary troglodytes, as they are called. Um, but these cannibalistic uh, Indian tribe, um, which I think they do a good job of not being like there's a, a in the town there is a, a an indian or native american um i think they call the professor if i'm not mistaken yeah um who's played by zon mclaren um who gives them information about this tribe and uh i think it's a way of trying to not do one of the problems that where westerns don't hold up is their very misportrayal of native americans in the films I think here he's trying to, uh, the movie's trying to, like, you know, we're creating this fictional tribe of, uh, more, like, they're, they're not even human, essentially. Like, they're supposed to be these, like, no Native Americans acknowledge this tribe as existence. They keep away from them. They are looked down upon. Um, they are this horrendous group of individuals. Um, they don't even speak. And, oh, this actor, Zach McLaren, is going to be in the Red Rum film, the Dr. Sleep movie that's coming out. Sorry, it, the poster has Red Rum, the Dr. Sleep movie that's coming out. Um, so, good actor, apparently. Uh, but, yeah, uh, so th that's where this movie really takes the twist. It is a Western in that you get the big sprawling vistas. You have guys that are clearly like cowboys or the sheriff. You know, they have their guns. Um, Matthew Fox is this kind of rich cowboy, but he's clearly very, uh, very capable of surviving. But he looks, I think because he's in all white, he feels like so pristine that there's no way he would get his hands dirty. But he's totally not that guy. He totally will get his hands dirty. Um, and Patrick Wilson's the loyal husband who just wants to retrieve his kidnapped wife, uh, Samantha. And how did I forget that I watched Slow West? I forgot to mention that in oh, what we watched. Oh, really? I watched that also yeah how was that i think i love that movie i've watched it many oh, okay. times it's very beautiful too um again not maybe a little more traditional than this but um not really i don't think there are really any native americans in it but yeah and a western does not have to have that although very common yeah. uh, that it does um <laughs> and often again they're the they're the enemy they're the savages uh not I'm not saying that. That's how the movies portray them, um, just mm -hmm. to clarify. But uh, I don't. I don't feel like well, technically Bone Tomahawk does, but they try to make it so it's not a real tribe. It's not like they're saying Indians were they're like this. Trying to separate it. Mm -hmm. They yeah. They're trying to yeah. Definitely. And again, you do have racism because uh, Bruder is very against um, Native Americans. He's that that type of character. But uh, you get the voice of reason from people like Jenkins and. Uh, Patrick Wilson, I think, to a degree. All right. I think we need to get into spoilers so we can wrap up our conversation on Bone Tomahawk. But Corey and I both like the film. Um, and otherwise, Corey? 
guys, from here on out, we're going to talk about Bone Tomahawk in great detail. Spoilers, you've been warned. And again, uh, it is available to stream on Prime, so if you want to stop this podcast and go watch the movie first, I highly recommend that you check it out. Again, though, it is a horror film, and there are at least going to be three scenes that are going to be real, real oh. graphic. Um, oh. So know going in that if you don't like gore or uh, violence, uh, you're going to be unhappy um, with those scenes. But My chest kind of hurt. I'm not going to lie. Oh, like. Man. My chest felt really tight, and I felt like I was going to throw up, and I had to pause at one point. I um, had to text our friend, Brendan, because uh-huh. I really wanted to talk to you, but I really can't. I just really needed to talk to somebody about this movie, because it's wild. Well, it's... we're in spoilers. Let's Which scenes uh, specifically? Well, I mean, first off, and excuse my language, holy balls, but... You're going to murder people, and you're going to cut their throat, and you can't even keep your knives sharpened? Mm. Like, he... And I recognized David Arquette right off the bat, but I didn't realize he was in this movie. Um, Oh, okay. So I was like, oh my god, David Arquette. And I feel like I don't... I haven't... I feel like I haven't really seen him in anything since Scream. I know he's been in stuff, but not stuff, you know, that I've watched. Um, And he's just, like, slicing and slicing and slicing and slicing and nothing's happening and we're getting the gurgling and we're getting all this stuff and the guy's not dying and i'm just like you know and it's set up very quickly that they're bad guys they're murdering these people while they're sleeping and like going through their belongings to see what's worth any money they steal a bible i love i love superstition Mm mm-hmm and I love that that was, like, set up so quickly that you don't throw the Bible on the fire. And then how quickly, right after that scene, that dumbass walks right through their burial, whatever. I mean, looking at that, I would never walk through that. Yeah. No. I mean, um, it's... Well, so that's Sid Haig is the other guy, Buddy. Uh, they, they're going to hide because they hear... Um, the gunshot that, because David Arquette's knife, as you mentioned, was so dull, he didn't kill the first guy. Um, he just cut his throat a little bit, apparently, didn't get all the veins. So the guy goes to shoot him, he kills him, and then they hear horses coming, so they try to escape, and that's when we are first introduced to the very scary troglodytes, as they'll be called, um, where they have this horrific, like, screaming sound, where it's like, I can't replicate it, but it's just a kind of horrifying noise um and uh buddy's killed and we cut to like uh what like 11 days later or something like that oh uh, Um, i don't i don't know 11 days later yep i have it in my notes um so we see that's all the beginning and then 11 days pass and we're we see david arquette on the outside of the town that we will uh, be meeting all of our characters um burying the stolen goods uh so he's not caught for doing that um, but someone does see him burying the stuff and gets the sheriff. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I, man, I just love this movie so much. Um, so that opening scene, yeah, it starts off pretty tough. It's not even the, it's by far not the most gruesome thing that's in the movie, but it is still, it's so violent immediately. It is like kind of letting you know what type of movie you're in for. This is yes, a gory it's it horror up movie. Yeah. Right away. Um, like my throat hurts just thinking about it um yeah i love that the town is called bright hope 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I... And I did text you this. We don't usually talk about the movies at all before we record, but I did not recognize Richard Jenkins right away from his look. Yeah. Um, and I'm so glad that I heard his voice. I love him so much, but I thought he was so great in this. And it's true. Like, uh, the sheriff, like he doesn't even eat, like he doesn't take care of himself. Chicory. Um, and he's like sitting there having a meal with the sheriff, and that's where that we whole find scene out. Scene is so funny though, because he walks in, he's like, "What kind of stinky tea is that, or whatever?" Like, um, and then he's like, "It's it's soup." He's like, "Oh, well, I guess it's smells, not." Yeah, smells okay so for much soup. Better. <laughs> he's just yeah. like, and then when he tastes like corn, it's corn chowder. Well, I guess that makes sense. It's just like, what it's are you doing? <laughs> yep, get it together, man. Oh my god. Oh, um. Uh, and then they, I, they like go out and scout, and they, do they catch him at the bar, or do they bring him into the bar? The, uh, he's in the bar. He's uh, uh by it, who we're oh, talking yeah. David Arquette's character, yeah, uh, who now says his name is Buddy, which was the other guy's name. Um, Kurt Russell confronts him. Well, Sheriff Hunt confronts him, and he uh goes to run, I think, right, or he like goes to attack, and he shoots him in the leg. Um. <laughs> And, uh, the guy, he falls down, passes out, um, put in, put in jail. Um, and yeah, uh, that scene's really, really solid. And then Kurt Russell basically, like, he's telling the other, like, he's telling the, the doctor, Samantha, and, uh, the deputy Nick and Chicory, um, you know, this guy's probably done this, and Buddy's probably the name of either someone who's dead or a friend of his, which is accurate in both accounts. Or someone he hates someone he hates um like he nails like uh, he profiles the guy so well it just immediately shows you how capable sheriff hunt is yes he's in this kind of a small town but he he runs it very very well like he is in charge um and i love that about this movie um in fact i think one of the things i kind of like about this movie is it does in a way remind me of jaws like because you have this capable sheriff um who ends up on this with this party you know not on a boat they're on horses but they're going through this long journey hunting down uh this this monster essentially and so um i i click with these types of movies anyways and it really really works for me i think a lot of that um so they they gather the the over when everyone's sleeping um the troglodytes show up we see the poor young stable boy get like gutted the only only african-american character we see is killed um quickly young boy uh gutted i thought that there was also an african-american that works in the um bar isn't that there might be well uh, yes i would say it's a different guy i guess his nonetheless uh the most of this movie is going to be predominantly white guys um which in a western it makes sense, but uh, your four main characters are all white dudes, and that's who we spend most of the movie with. Um, so I apologize if I did miss someone of color um, outside of the young stable boy who is again gutted. Um, but oh, that conflict with the the mayor I think is really funny because like the mayor the mayor's wife, wife you mean? Yeah, because she yeah. clearly runs the show. Uh, uh, but yeah, the mayor is just such a ditz. Um, but, so that before they head off on the journey, um, you know, we have the crippled, um, 
Patrick Wilson's character uh, named Arthur, uh, who Kurt Russell immediately says, like, I understand why we're going. I have to go because I'm the sheriff. I'm going to go retrieve our people. Patrick Wilson is going to go because his wife is missing and he feels obligated to go rescue his wife. But everyone else stay put. And then Chicory says, no way I'm going. And Bruder says, I'm going because I went and got the doctor. I feel responsible that she is, you know, now missing. Um, so the four of them are going to go. Everyone else in town is going to stay. The mayor is going to report it and something like that. Um, oh, yeah. I thought they were trying to, like, call in other sheriffs or deputies yeah, from get, like, another back town. Up because Sheriff Hunt doesn't know when he'll be back. Um, and so you get some really solid goodbye sequences. Uh, Sheriff Hunt says goodbye to his wife, played by Catherine Morris, uh, Lorna Hunt. Um, and I, I like that scene, uh, you know, him kind of... One, you see the softer side of him, that he does have, like, this compassionate... Like, he's in love with his wife. He loves his wife. There's no question. Um, and then the probably one of my favorite scenes in the film is Richard Jenkins saying goodbye to his wife's tombstone um, and saying that there are some good people in trouble. And you just get the sense of he's driven by by duty, you know? And I, I love that. Um, God, I just love him. Yeah, it's such a good performance because um, he gets some of the funniest lines, yet he's also very noble. The wisest. Yeah, uh, it's just he's so... I love him so much. Um and also that there's like that small scene like before Samantha is kidnapped or abducted um where she wants him to read where she wants her husband Arthur to read her a poem yeah and he gets the letter out and he reads it he's like this isn't a poem I'm not reading this and he had told her that he feels awkward reading it to her and then after she's abducted he takes it with him I believe and he says he's gonna read it to her I think yeah, we hear him read it, Soon. and it's um, it's so it's so intimate, and you can tell he it's you know this masculine man in the West, and that's I think the movie does a good job of kind of playing on those tropes of like what masculinity was supposed to be, and then what it really is, because you do see that softer side of of both Hunt and Chicory and Arthur, um, and you don't really see it from Bruder, but then I think you start to kind of see like he has regrets about that to a degree and like he's kind of kept to himself because of the loss he experienced as a younger man and so i i think the movie does a really good job of kind of changing that because i think when you think of like old westerns with we're going to be watching at least one of the john wayne westerns john wayne was kind of the epitome of masculinity at that time like that's what you strive to be is like this macho guy you know stern very stern didn't show your emotions um like yes you might love a girl but you really don't love a girl like this movie does not do that these guys are very in uh, intimate they're sentimental you even i mean with chicory and his loyalty to the sheriff i think you see that you know a man loving another man platonically it's not it's not homosexual it's, there's no like sexual tension between them or anything like that it's just simply like that it's okay to admire and respect a fellow man and it not be um, demasculize de but it doesn't make you less of a man for for loving someone um and i, I you know it's in that way the movie's very uh, you know it's of its time because it's 2015 but it's still like the genre traditionally depicted those characters very differently and they they don't fall for that um so a lot of the movie now is just going to be like them traveling them sleeping 
uh, they encounter some kind of struggle every night. Uh, you know, Matthew Fox's character being a much more um, apparently used to living out in the West has uh, some tricks where he like sets bells up around them, and then the very first night something hits like triggers it, and it's like a coyote, and then we have the scene where the guys show up and they kill them. But apparently they were right to kill them. But then you know Matthew Fox's character gets stabbed when they move to a different camp location, um, and they lose their horses. Uh, making it really hard for Patrick Wilson, who's crippled. And him with his horse, like... Oh, I know. And I can't remember her name right now, but he says that his horse would have never gone with those men. Mm -hmm. And then I think Richard Jenkins' uh, chicory ends up saying, no, she must have put up a fight and kind of points their direction over, and he has to shoot her. Yeah, which I don't... They don't show if I'm not mistaken. We don't see the horse dying, but we... We just see the horse, like, off in the distance, but no, they... Yeah. We we <laughs> see him, like, do it, and we hear the gunshot, but, we, like, they don't they don't dwell on that. Like, you see... You see, his face. You see him and how it's it hurts him, it pains him that he has to do that, and um, as he has, Thank like... Thank you for no, your service. Yeah, and he has, he has, like, no one else. That horse was his best friend, and now he... And again, like he said, the, the horse lived up to its expectations, you know? Um, and when he's talking about his, uh, they ask how many Native Americans he's killed, and at first he won't answer, I believe. And yeah. then he talks about how his, was it his mother and two or three sisters yeah. were murdered? And then he ends up saying 112. Yeah, like crazy. And not just men, right? Like it's. No. Because he says, like, they'll, any of them are, are threats. He has a very negative opinion of of them um i want to point out uh one of the first nights they camp out richard jenkins um how do you read in the bath um conversation i love i I just wouldn't be like i read in the bath all the time it's so great because i no his his fears about reading in the bath i a hundred percent have the same he's like well i get the pages wet and i'm like that's for real how do you do it like you keep a towel on the back on the floor right i never get dry enough like i swear like it just does not happen um, so I, I very much sympathize and I love it was that. so funny. I love how Sheriff Hunt offers the logical, like, get an orchestra stand. <laughs> like, it's so good. It's so and then great. I can't even remember what Bruder says. <laughs> Bruder is like just annoyed that there's a conversation. This is happening. Being yeah. Like but I love that scene. Um, Chicory again being like the best part of this movie. Uh, man. Um, I was kind of surprised. Like, I, I know that they are on a mission and that it's time sensitive and stuff like that but i was still kind of surprised that they would leave arthur behind because he is pretty much crippled and he's away from them for like a half a day or maybe more sometimes and catching up to them and he doesn't have a way to defend himself no and they trick him they think he they tell him that they're they have to take the leg and they don't take the leg um but they just knock him out with opium for like a day or whatever um and reset it holy like yeah the break is pretty brutal um it looks pretty gross uh i like how uh you you kind of get this group that they are all individual with the exception of chicory like backing hunt but like bruder has his own reasons for going arthur has his own focus and they kind of become a team over time which might be what ultimately dooms them in a way, because there's no way all of them are going to make it in this horror western. Um, but like 
uh, he has the the really nice telescope they call the German, which is I guess it's made from Germany or whatever. And early, Chickory asks if he can see it, and he's like, "No way." And then later, he lets him use it, and it's like this kind of like, "Yes, I I'm starting to respect you. You've you've earned my respect throughout the course of this journey." But then that's when everything starts to kind of go downhill. Um, you know, uh, they're they're really close to where the the troglodytes live, and uh, immediately get attacked. Um, and you see uh, Matthew Fox's character loses his hand, and um, goes out fighting, but not for very long. I think he only kills one um, before being killed himself. And uh, Chicory gets hurt, and that man, that head injury worried me when it first happened because it's like, geez, was was that an arrow? I'm not sure if it, what it, it was. It must have been. It must have been because it it flies through, and it's just like it knocks him down. Um, I think Sheriff Hunt gets shot in the arm, right? Or no, is Jenkins is shot in the arm? Um, Sheriff gets hit with something too, though. They're they're both injured, um, but they're captured and uh, brought up to uh, their cave, where we find Samantha still alive. Um, Deputy Nick is uh, unconscious and sick, but alive, and we get to hear the horrific screams and. Um, and see what's going on and then Arthur is like you said he's trailing behind and catches some of the troglodytes off guard which I think is important to note because that's when we get to see what makes that noise because they don't have a language per se but they have this thing embedded in their neck that he cuts out and then puts in his freaking mouth (laughs) it's so gross but uh, he's smart I felt like it was very resourceful (laughs) yeah yeah, he uses it to lure um, uh, some of the other ones out. But agreed. Again, there with the throat, man. Yeah, it's really gross Ooh. when he digs it out. Um, and he gets lucky with the first two kills because, like, he runs out of bullets. But the guy and the guy takes a shot and doesn't fall down, and he's like so thrown by that. <laughs> but they're both like one shot because he's like, "Ow, that hurt." I'm going to kill you. And then Pat Arthur's like, oh my God, you're going to kill me even though I just shot you. And like, it's like fumbling to reload his gun, but manages to survive. Um, super man. I, I love those sequences. Um, and then Kurt Russell. Okay. So this is by far the most graphic scene in the movie. Poor well, Deputy I want to, I, I want to mention this though, because what is her name? Samantha. Samantha. He, Sheriff Hunt, I think, asks samantha how many of them there are and i think she said there are like 12 men or more yep and then there are two pregnant women that are also crippled yeah because i want to talk about that in a minute and blind so horrific um Um, do you want to like skip to that or do you want to no go ahead with what you're gonna say so deputy nick is pulled out of his cage and uh stripped naked cut in half while alive um from first yeah oh yes that's right they scalp him shove the scalp in his mouth and nail it i think to him and then they chop him from his crotch down rip him in half and then we see uh one of the the troglodytes eating his leg um afterwards like holding it like a drumstick uh and take gnawing on it um uh, imply that they cooked it because there is like a fire pit but um yeah brutal right super brutal mm. nothing to add no like I threw up or anything like, <laughs> I think that's where I had to pause 
I totally get that. Um, it is a tough sequence uh, for sure. Um, it, it's kind of unexpected, and it is just to make him suffer. Like, because they could have killed him before they did all of that. Yep. And also, it's to horrify the rest of the people in his party. Yeah, make sure they understand what's at stake here. Yeah, and who they're messing with. Um, but then uh, <sighs> they try to use the uh, the tincture of opium that they have in the flask for Richard Jenkins to uh, take out a couple, and they do. They I think they get three of them, or one of them dies, one of them is sick, and the other one, not enough. He didn't drink enough of it. But then, this is where poor Sheriff Hunt really gets the, the short end of the stick. They put the flask in the fire, cut him open, and shove the flask in his open wound in his stomach uh, so that it's burning his guts, like literally burning his guts. Um, and then choking him, Arthur shows up uh, to save the day. Um, Kurt Russell is able to take out the big guy with the, the tusks, who's really scary. Um, and we, we, we get a daring rescue. Now, Arthur's still got more to kill. Um, the sheriff goes out fighting. He wants a repeater in his hand and is going to uh, sit, and he knows he's going to die. Um, he And one of the saddest lines in the movie, um, he says to Richard Jenkins Chickory, say goodbye to my wife, and I'll say hello to yours. And it is so freaking sad, and yet so heroic. Like, it's such a heroic line. Um, I, I love that. Yeah. Um, and so they go to escape, and we see the, the two women that Corey mentioned that are blind, crippled, and pregnant. And it is one of the most and, horrific-looking things ever. I mean, because we're told that they are inbred. Mm-hmm. But the men that we come in contact with seem to be fine, so I'm assuming that they keep the women that way? Yeah, it, it appears to be a form of control. Uh, they are there literally just to reproduce. Incubators. Yeah. Oh, God. That's horrific. Because I think that they have things shoved in their eyes. We only yes. see them for, like, a split second. And I'm surprised that they didn't kill them. Like, I guess there is, I mean... there is nothing they could do. Like, because without the men, those women are going to die. Because there's no way for them to feed Why themselves. There's no way they can't have the babies without the guys there because there's you know they have no hands they have no they have nothing um so yeah they're they're going to die which i guess in a way it's cruel that they don't kill them because they're gonna die slowly and painfully yeah. um but i guess at the same time they, they're low on bullets and they're they're terrified uh because these these men if you want to call them that are are trained killers you know they eat uh, they're, we're told they're horrible from the beginning and they only prove to be that um, there's no redemption arc for the monsters in this movie um, but yeah and they never would have gone into town if freaking if David Arquette's he character had hadn't gone that. yep they were hunting him down yeah. because he's he took something right like he had like a, a piece of the burial ground or something with them um, oh I don't I don't remember that I just remember he walked across it yeah they were hunting him nonetheless um yeah and uh yeah so um he brought this mean, curse upon them yeah because it doesn't seem like they've ever been there before they didn't even know who these people this people what you know yeah were 
and even their arrow it's so creepy and distinctive like it's it's not like a traditional arrowhead on the arrow it's this weird it looks I, like a bird beak or something yeah and i love that they like i guess i don't really know what they're covered in but they look like sand they're the same color as the sand yeah yeah which is probably know, I, it probably is like mud or something um yeah yeah, they're super creepy. Uh, very, very horrific imagery. Um, lots of gore. Uh, some really great performances, especially from Richard Jenkins. Um, that's pretty much the end. They get uh, Samantha, Arthur, and Richard Jenkins, Chicory, get away. Everyone else is dead, including, from our understanding, the troglodytes. We do hear the gunshots from a distance, implying that Kurt Russell's character, Sheriff Hunt, got a few of them um, before they escape. But we're... We're, I guess we're supposed to assume that they they get to live. Um, Chicory is going to maybe you know take over as sheriff. No, I doubt it. Uh, but you know he he uh, it, there's a redemption story to his character. I think because he he is like kind of looked down upon. He's just kind of a joke. Deputy Nick is like super rude to him, um, and so yeah, I think he gets a little bit of a redemption. But um, that's I thought. Oh, good. I felt I was actually expecting it to. I did feel like they lived, and they said that there were probably three more left, and we heard three gunshots. Yep. And I felt like it was a much better ending than I was actually expecting because they're trapped in these cages, and yeah, yeah. I was expecting them all to die. Yes, I I especially thought Chicory would die because he was set up to be, um, kind of a bumbling sidekick. And the fact that he survives, I think, is really cool. And I, I love that Sheriff Hunt. The guy has a flask sticking out of his freaking abs. Such that is, a badass. He's still a badass. Like, it's such... Kurt Russell's oh, so good in this movie. Chicory, ask him, are you going to make it, Sheriff? No, I don't think so. And then... No. Oh, it's damn. so heartbreaking. Because I, I... Oh, man. I love this movie. Like, I really do. Like, considering it's a horror film the character development and the character portrayal is so strong um and to me patrick wilson i like him but i also i feel like he is sometimes too big of an actor where like i can see him acting um like in to me like in insidious i don't think he does a good job in insidious i feel like it's very much like a performance it feels like a performance uh i don't think that's true here he still, I, I think of the four guys, I do think he is the weakest performance. Um, but that's not saying it too bad because I think, I think what you get from Richard They're Jenkins, also good. It's so good. This is one of my favorite Kurt Russell performances. Um, he's so awesome. He just embodies the sheriff. Um, and again, he's also doing, and I love him in uh and Hateful Eight as well. Um, I like him more here, and I think the fact that this is a horror western this movie really lays heavy on the drama and the like the characters and it's done so well um that's why i want to watch the other two films that the uh the director has done but i've just not gotten to them because i they're all a little long and i hear they're all super violent like this so it's and you know like i saw right before we started recording or right as we started recording that this movie was two hours and 12 minutes and it never felt long at all to me no and and it should because there are these long stretches where they're just like traveling in the desert but it just works because the characters are interesting you are invested in the story it's a simple it's kind of a simple MacGuffin story like these this was taken I'm gonna go it's Mario the princess is in another castle you got to get to this area and rescue your princess but because the characters have like 
stakes and you're invested in them and they are all leaving the comforts of their small town bright hope that you are rooting for them like you don't want them to die and yet they're going into certain death and yeah it just works even i love the sheriff like bluffs the calvary thing when they're captured and then jenkins is like hey was that real and he's like no he's like dang i was hoping you had done something i didn't know about you know it's like this oh there goes our hope you know (laughs) Mm -hmm. but also the reason why he did it because nick was dying and if he was dying that's what he would want to hear yes and that's again i love the characters in this movie so much they're so interesting um and so respectable but uh that's our review of bone tomahawk um cory do you know what you're gonna rate it yeah, I'm going to go with must-see must film. I, I hold true with that. I do want, as Corey, and at this point, I mean, you've listened to this episode, but uh, it is definitely not a movie for everyone. But if you can get past, like, the cannibalistic, which it's not super gory cannibalistic-wise, but the killings are very brutal and visceral. Um, so if you can get past that, I think it's a really great movie, especially if you're a fan of Westerns. I think you get the, uh, the, the character tropes uh, done very well. I think some of the tropes are subverted, and I think others are upheld, the ones that, you know, should. And you get this really solid movie with these really interesting characters that will make you twitch at times, for sure. Um, I twitched as well, and I've seen it before. So, um, that said, uh, that is our review for Bone Tomahawk. Um, we will be back next week with another Western as we continue the month of Howdy Partner, uh, where, you know, we watch Westerns that we haven't seen. I got to pick the next movie, and I went with um, a classic, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Shane. Um, Shane is uh, a Western that inspired Logan, um, James Mangold's film Logan, uh, about Wolverine. It was very much the influence of the story development, and I believe there's even a scene where uh, Professor Xavier is watching it. Um, Shane is from 1953. Uh, I hope this is the right one. A weary gunfighter attempts to settle down with a homestead family. But a smoldering settler rancher conflict forces him to act. Uh, stars Alan Ladd, Gene Arthur, Van Heflin, Brandon D. Wilde, Jack Palance, Ben Johnson, Edgar Buchanan, Emily Meyer. I'm sorry, it's Emile Meyer. Alicia, Alicia Cook Jr., Douglas Spencer. Man, a lot of people. Um, directed by George Stevens. Uh, right, I'm not even getting to the writers. I hope this it has to be the right one, right? There's only one. Shane. But... You know, sometimes movies get re redone. Um, that's the only one I see. So that's the movie we're going to be watching. We uh, purchased it on Vudu, um, so you can purchase it digitally. And it, I don't think it's streaming anywhere right now with a, a subscription service. But um, we'd love to hear your thoughts on it or Bone Tomahawk or any of the other westerns that we're going to be watching this month. Uh, you can reach out to us on social media. I am at Burke Reviews and Corey. At Corey R Star, two R's on the end. Um. You know, listen to our other podcasts, Top 5 Movies or Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. Read our reviews at burgerviews.com. Um, and until next time, keep watching movies. This has been a Burke Reviews podcast. Burkerviews.com. Do you like movies? Do you like podcasts? Or are you just lonely? If the answer is yes, and even if it's not, and check out the What I Watch Tonight Show's filmtastic selection of podcasts covering the entire movie verse. There's something for everyone, so come check it out. More details at whatiwatchtonight.co.uk or from all good podcast providers. <laughs>